You know, I know that if I were to ask you, have anybody in here ever been discouraged, we would all raise our hands, right? Maybe some of you are going through it right now. I mean, discouragement is a part of life, is it not? In the Bible, in Timothy, First and Second Timothy, the Apostle Paul is imprisoned and he writes a letter to Timothy. He calls him his son, his son in the faith. Now, the reason that he's writing to Timothy is because Timothy is really discouraged. He's having a really rough time. See, Timothy's the pastor of a very, very large church. And there are some men in there who are teaching some heresy and there's all kinds of problems. And so Paul writes Timothy a letter to encourage him. You know how he encourages him? He reminds him of his heritage. He says to him in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says, Timothy, I know the genuine faith that you have, and I know where it came from. And then he says, it came from your grandmother, Lois. That's where it started. And then it was passed on to your mother, Eunice. And now you have that faith. So what's the apostle Paul saying? He's saying, Timothy, when you're going through your tired times, rely on your faith. Look at how your grandma did it. Look at how your mom did it. And gain strength from that. Now, I don't know if you went through a godly heritage. Maybe you did. Praise God that you did. But if you didn't, you know what? You have an opportunity to start one. And you can pass it on to your children and your grandchildren. Well, this morning, I want to talk about three characteristics of a godly woman. Just three. And then I'm going to have some godly women come up and share a little bit about each of these characteristics and so what I want you to know is that I said a godly woman, not a perfect woman, okay? And the reason I said a godly woman is because a godly woman understands that her life has been set apart. You see, ladies, I don't think you know how special you are in the eyes of your heavenly father. He's tickled to death over you. In fact, when he created you, he sat back and he said, ah, this is one of my best. That's how he feels about each of you ladies in this room. And I want you to know that he has plans for you. But a godly woman is a woman who realizes that and has set her life aside to be used by God. And so let me just share with you three simple characteristics. It's not all of them, but three, these three characteristics are found in every single list of what a godly woman is. And here's the first one. The first one is she is a woman who prays and reads the word of God. I want you to listen very carefully to what I say, ladies. This is the habit of her life. And it's the habit of her life because she knows what the word of God is. She knows that the word of God is powerful. She knows that the word of God has promises. And she knows that the word of God will change her, will transform her from the inside out. And the result of that is it impacts the way she dresses, 
the way she cares for her family and the way she loves her kids and loves her husband. And a godly woman, when she goes through those discouraging times, those times of hurt, she knows that the Bible will encourage her and lift her up. And she knows in those days when she's tired and she's working to the, to the bone, she realizes that that same word of God will inspire her to keep on going. Here's what I'm saying. This is a woman who realizes that God's word changes the way she lives. The Bible talks about this in Proverbs 31. Look at what it says. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. This is what the Bible is saying. This is what a woman looks like who is rooted in the word of God. Here's the second thing. She's a woman who trusts God for meeting her needs. A godly woman knows that the Bible has made some promises. A godly woman also knows that those promises go along with her physical and her emotional needs. Now, ladies, I'm gonna speak for all the men in here, okay? Sometimes we just don't get you. I'm so sorry. When you tell us a problem, we think we're supposed to fix it. And then when you say, I don't need you to fix it, I just need to listen, we kind of think, well, what am I supposed to do? And then you tell us, just hold me. But here's what I want you to know. We try. And you can help us become even better at that. But here's what I want you to remember. When your husband, when your father, when the, that man in your life isn't able to meet your needs, can I tell you something? The Bible tells us that God will be your husband. Do you realize that? God will meet your every need. One of the things that I love about our Heavenly Father is that as I put God's word in me, my wife sees that word, that God in me, and God shows me how to meet her needs. And even when I can't meet those needs because she is in the word, her needs, emotional and physical, are met. Look at what it tells us here in 2 Corinthians and God will generously provide all you need. Did you notice it says generously? God will provide generously all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty of leftover to share with others. Here's what I want you to hear. Ladies, God will not fail you. His promises are real and his promises are true. But here's the wisdom that the scriptures give us as to how you get what God has for you. Don't complain. If your husband isn't treating you the way you feel like you deserve, don't complain. If you're going through some difficult times, don't complain. If maybe you're going through some financial problems or maybe you're struggling with some different emotional issues, here's what I want you to know. Don't complain, but here's what the Bible tells us to, you should do. Take a step, a big step towards God and you know what God will do? 
He'll take three, four, five, and six steps towards you. Listen to what the Bible tells us here. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Did you hear that? He'll give you everything that you need. So here's what the Bible tells us. If your needs are not being met, then take a step towards God. Make God the center of your life and watch him provide for you. Here's the next one. Finally, she is a generous woman. A godly woman is a generous woman. Now look at what the Bible says here in Titus. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. Now, here's what I want you to hear. This has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with encouraging words. Your words are powerful, ladies. And I don't think you realize how powerful your words are. If you want to change your husband, your words can change your husband. If you want to change your children, your words can change your children. You see, when we teach, we teach with words, right? And those words, when they encourage and when they build up, they change people's lives. Think about this. Try having a plan for your husband or your son or your daughter. Imagine in your mind, write it down. This is what I want my husband to be. And when he begins to move in that direction, you say to him, sweetheart, I want to tell you something. I appreciate that you take us to church. Honey, I know you work hard. Thank you for taking care of our family. You know, when you lead us in prayer, sweetheart, I shake all over. Or think about this. What if when your son gets up, hey, Jimmy, you're not a little boy anymore. You're a little man. No, you're not a little man. You are God's man. I'm seeing God's handprints all over your life. Or maybe it's, Jenny, when I watch you as you deal with your brother or as you deal with your friends, you're like an angel. You're like God just loving them through you. Can you imagine what would happen in the lives of your family members if you began to do that? Now, here's why I challenge you to do that. Because God has given you a platform like no one else. A mom's words are powerful and they are life-changing. Look at this. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. In other words, this, 
the power of your words when rooted in God's word transforms lives. So now, just to show you what that looks like, I have four godly ladies that I'm going to invite to the stage. My wife, Lori, Pastor George's wife, Pat. Oops, I'm supposed to be good over there. Whoa, 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 don't get me in trouble. Sorry, dear, sorry, dear. Thank you. I'm gonna invite Amanda Moore, Justin Moore's wife, and Pastor John's wife, Kay Carney. Would you please welcome them to the stage? Now, just so you know, their husbands are really worried because they're not sure what they're going to say. Well, actually, when that last thing about our tongues, that really convicted me. I'm a, all of you that know me, I love to talk a lot. I love to visit with people, but I want you to know what I share with you today. I don't want it to be anything about Lori, my opinions, my words. I want it to all be about God's word that we share today because that's where the power and the life comes. So as Pastor Bob said, we are just women up here. We are far from perfect, but we all love Jesus, right? And we all want to follow him, even though each and every day we are desperate women, women that need Jesus and we need his word. So I love the first point that Pastor Bob shared because it really is my favorite topic to talk about. It's about how we share the love of Jesus and the power of the Word of God. It's not this old book that was written many, many years ago that sits on our nightstand, or our kitchen table, or on a, on, at the kitchen table. I mean, it just doesn't sit here. It is the living Word of God which means it gives life. If I ask you the question, would you love to have an abundant life and to live life to the fullest? I think we all would just raise our hands for that. Even though life is so hard and life is really tough and this last year has been extremely tough on many of you that I love and know some of your stories. But regardless how tough it is, God is love. And because God is love, in 1 John 4, 16, it states that God is love. God's character is that he can only love. And because he loves us so much, and he gave his one and only son, Jesus, to live and die for each of us, our sins, so that we can have eternal life and abundant life, we are so thankful and we seek him in his word to just help us minute by minute day by day as we go through different situations in our life. One of my favorite things and my prom the promises in God's word is from Isaiah 55. And it says that God's word, whenever it goes forth, it's not gonna return void. It will accomplish its purposes. So my prayer for myself and for all of you today as we share um, what Jesus means to us and from the word, that you will realize that we need to seek God in his word to draw hope and strength and joy and peace, regardless of the circumstances that we're in. I heard uh, many years ago from a pastor, um, he said, how many of you believe that everything that you read in the newspaper or watch on the news, and now I'm going to add in today's world, uh, read on social media. How many of you believe that everything that you read or see is 100% true? Nope, it's not. 
It's not. I'm just telling you. And the reason it's not 100% true is because we, as men and women who have spoke it or written it, we, have, we make mistakes, okay? We don't have 100% truth because I can be sitting here and we all can hear something. And because of where you're at, you might have a different perception of what I've said and somebody else may have a different perception and you share that perception with somebody else and it may not be the same thing, okay? Now, the second question, which is the best question is, how many of you believe that what is written in the Word of God is 100% true? We all should raise our hand. It's 100% true. It is the inerrant, means no mistakes. It's 100% true. Now, this convicts me, okay, because I want you to know I love social media because I love to stay connected to people that live all around the world. So I have to really be convicted and challenged by this. Okay, so how much time do I or you spend in 100% truth, the word, versus how much time do I spend watching the news, on social media, or just seeking things that aren't 100% true? Wow. That was something many years ago that really challenged me. And not to make me feel guilty, but to make me think, I need to spend more time. And God, would you tug at my heart and create in me, Jesus, a desire to not only love your word, but to spend more time in your word where you will speak life, joy, peace into my life and to my family and friends' life. Another question more recently that I heard from another pastor was, what percentage of your thoughts, words, and actions are a regurgitation, wow, of the news you're watching to, that you're listening to, or that you're reading on social media? I don't know about you, but if I get too focused on um, I mean, let me just say this. We're supposed to stay informed, okay? But there's a fine line of being informed versus being consumed with a lot of the negativity that's going on in our world. Yes, it is happening. But I want to make the choice. This is what I love. This was the next question. And this is what I have to tell myself and pray and ask God to help me with. So I choose to do this. It says then, what percent of your thoughts, words, and actions are a revelation that you are getting from God's Word. Oh, The more time, as TJ was mentioning before, the more time that we worship God and we praise God and we're putting good things, the Word of God, into our hearts, minds, and souls, the better it's going to make us feel instead of the meditation and all the negativity. I think you all could agree to that. When I was a little girl and when I taught my children, I used to say, or I was told and then I taught the same thing, garbage in, garbage out. You know, when I hear bad things or I hang around bad environment, I can just take on those characteristics or take on those attitudes and not very many people want to be around me if I have that negativity versus when I put in good, listening to worship, Sometimes, you know, it, I'm going to be honest, it's easy for me to turn on the TV first thing in the morning just for background music. And I have to make or background noise, and I have to make the decision sometimes because I hear all this negativity, turn it off, turn on my 
worship music, and it does change the way that I feel. So that's a challenge for me, and I hope that blesses you. Um, the other thing is, is what is the loudest voice in your life? And I want the loudest voice to be Jesus. Now, I, these young girls, and I have so many people. I am one, let me tell you, I um, love to share the Word of God, and I love to minister to, or just hang out and journey through life. I don't have my act together. I'm a desperate woman that eats Jesus every day, but I love to hang out with women of all ages. And one of the neatest blessings to me that even though these women or girls are not my biological children, I just want to just, I feel like they're my kids, you know, and they may be older than me, but it's just, it's just the sweetest thing to have friends and sisters in Christ of all ages and a journey through life together. Um, one of the things that comes to me all the time is, you know, I just don't know what to do, how to make a decision. And I want you to know that I really try my hardest to not speak Lori's opinion because again, I said, that's not 100% true. And I'm sorry if you heard something from me. <laughs> it wasn't intentional, but I will make a mistake. But I try to speak the words of God. Every day, one of my prayers is Psalm 25, four through five. And I pray this prayer, not only for myself and my family, but for all of you. And it's show me your ways, oh God. Teach me your truth. Guide me in your truth, your word, and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Another one in um, Psalm 119, 133, it says, direct my footsteps according to your word, let no sin rule over me. And that's what I want to do every day is, God, show me your ways. I want to walk in, in those. Now, I make mistakes every day. So that second one, direct my footsteps according to your word, let no sin rule over me, because I am going to sin. I go to the Lord and say, God, forgive me of my sin, but don't let that sin rule over me, okay? So what I'm just sharing over and over again is how powerful the Word of God is. To me, it's so powerful that I see my grandson Landon down he, um, here, and I know if I ask Landon what you would like. I bet you would tell me like you'd want a NASCAR or a monster truck or something of a material value. And I could ask the same thing to Peyton and Layla and Harper and Tate, and I think they all would ask for physical things, right? <laughs> but I want you to know the most important thing that I can give, and I do give to my children and my husband, my family, my friends, and I want you to know even all of you. And even though I don't know all of you, I want you to know that our God is so big that He, when we pray, there's no limit. It doesn't matter if I know you or not. God knows that when I pray for the people that come into Central Community or that they listen online, whether you even came here one time in your life, that God would bless you. And I can pray for the, the people that God wants to reach in and through this body of believers that will spread around the world. God can answer those prayers, and I pray scripture. So every single day when I get up, I have a list of people that I pray for, and then I pray the broad prayer of, God, I don't know every one of the people that come into the church or are watching online all over this world, but God, you do. And I pray that God would open our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, and he would draw us to himself. And I pray the word of God that... Um, that when in First Timothy, when it talks about that God's word is God breathed, that we would receive that breath of life 
from the Lord and that we would walk in his ways. Um, one of the neatest things for our grandchildren and I do for all of you is every single day I have these script, these are scripture cards for different days of the week, how to praise God, how to pray specifically. Like one of these is for salvation, growth in grace, mercy, self-control, justice, mercy, mercy, friendship, courage. There's so many topics and every day I pray for one. And there's a scripture verse that I pray. Now here's why I'm sharing about this is because uh, Lori can make mistakes, like I said. I'm not 100% right, but God's word is. And when I pray the word of God, I can never pray wrong. Does that make sense? When you pray the word of God, when I said in Psalm 25, show me your ways, O Lord. That's what God wants us to pray. So I am so blessed also. I wanted to share another plug that, especially for you youngins that uh, get online, is pray scripture org. That's really easy. PrayScripture.org. Org. It is an email that you'll receive every day, Monday through Friday. One of the young women in our church has been doing this for many years. So if you say, I don't know how to pray the Word of God every day, and this is for all ages. This is not only for women, this is for men. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're married, single, divorced, widowed, high school, whatever whoever you are, the Word of God is so powerful, and that's what we need to stand on. Two more scripture verses I wanted to share with you. One is in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7, and it talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and then to impress it upon your children. And that's who's ever, to me, that's who's ever in your environment. It says when you're walking along the road, and I say driving in the car down the street, and then also it says to write it on the door frames of your homes. If I ask you, if you walk into your home, do you feel the love of Jesus by maybe what's on your walls? Is it a scripture? Is it a cross? Is it a picture of Jesus? Sometimes what these young children see when they walk into your home or whether it is just even a piece of scratch paper that has a scripture verse on it, that has so much power that will bless a person's heart. This. This sanctuary right here, before we painted it, it was so wonderful when people in our church went around and wrote scripture up in the balcony, all around. It is covered before we put a fresh new uh, coat of paint. It is so wonderful. Like, it's like a big hug because we are just hugged by the word of, of the living word of God in our sanctuary. The last one is Psalm 78. And in Psalm 78, it says, tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. And that's even through our struggles. We're going to share here, some of the other pastor's wives are going to share that even in the hard times, we thank God and praise Him and we ask Him to hold us and sometimes carry us through the storms of life. I've been in different places in my life and when I was younger and going through a lot of different struggles, um, a lot of times I would just write a scripture on an index card. and. And just that I, I didn't have time to read chapters or verses as much as I wanted to in the Bible, but I had it written down. And I want to encourage you young women or young teenagers or wherever you're at in life, the importance of just carrying around the Word of God in your wallet with you. And um, let it speak life 
into you. There was a time when I was hurting so bad. Actually, there's been more than one time when I did not even know where to go in the Bible, but I would cry out, Jesus, Jesus, help me. And I remember at night I would go to bed and I would take the word of God and I, I couldn't even read it because I was just hurting so bad. But I would lay it right there by my pillow or underneath my pillow because just having it close to me, I felt the life that God has put in his living word to just give me life to help me take the next step, prayer by prayer in a walk with Jesus. So now I'm gonna ask some of these women, some of the things that Pastor Bob just shared with us. And one was, um, okay, I'm gonna ask you first. Um, when we're in a time of need, how do we trust God when we're just hurting or going through a hard time? Well, um, sometimes it's hour by hour. Um, sometimes, and it's always day by day, kind of just depending on the situation. Um, it's um, a work in progress, I think, especially for me. I don't know if you feel that way too, that um, I feel like I'm able to trust the Lord uh, more deeply now than I did, you know, 20 years ago, um, mostly because um, everything he's promised, everything he said he would do, he has done, so why would I not trust him? Um, my uh, trust has deepened greatly these um, last several months. Um, uh, right before Christmas, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and um, the results took longer than they should have to get back to me, and um, the Lord used that time so powerfully to prepare me um, for the news that it was cancer. And um, I had, even though I didn't know for sure, but I had such a peace just wash over me that has been with me ever since. Um, trust equates <laughs> peace um, in my life anyway. Um, and um, so we got the news that it was cancer and uh, I had surgery and had uh, treatment and I'm now on the other side of that and um, so very thankful uh, uh, for that but I'm not, I'm not thankful because I'm able to be up here. I'm thankful that no matter what, no matter what was ahead or what still may be ahead, um, the Lord's going to be with me. Maybe, you know, the cancer may come back and maybe he'll take me to heaven. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to retire and, <laughs> and um, spend some wonderful time with him and all my loved ones in heaven. So it's not that I trust him. I trusted him to make me well. I just trusted him for whatever his will in my life was going to be. And the other thing that I experienced more powerfully than I ever have before is the feeling of knowing. I mean, I literally felt prayers, your prayers, several other churches and families praying for me. I have never, ever felt so lifted up and supported. And um, I mean, literally, physically, I could feel it. Mm -hmm. And that comes from trusting in the Lord. And I'm just so, so very thankful that um, he was with me and he'll be with you no matter what. No matter what life brings us, he'll be with each of us. And I'm just so very thankful for that. And just before we move on, um, I got a kick out of the fact that Pastor Bob was telling us that our husbands were nervous about what we might get up here and say. 
about them. And, um, uh, and then Pastor Bob, after the first service, let me know that I could talk a little bit longer if I wanted to. And I just told him that I just didn't want to get the reputation that my husband had of being long-winded. <laughs> I love you, honey. <laughs> so, anyway. Thank you, Kay. That was good. It's fun. Go ahead. Okay, now, Amanda, I would love for you to share the importance of having a godly mother and the influence that she's had upon your life. Yes. Okay, so my mom, um, she's here, I can see her back there. Uh, she actually came to Christ uh, when she was 32 years old. So I was around the age of seven or eight when my mom became a believer. She was the first one in our family to accept Christ. And I just have, of those really early years, I was in early elementary school, I just have really vivid memories of my mom sitting at our kitchen table every day and she had that light pink women's Bible I still can picture in my mind sitting on the table and she would be reading her Bible every morning and I just remember her underlining things and writing in her Bible but what I think I remember the most is um, there would be times I would look at her and she would just have tears just streaming down her face and just at that young of an age I remember thinking like wow Jesus has the power to change my mom's life. I bet he can change mine also. And so it was just those early years. Um, it was around that time we started attending this church and not very long after that, that I accepted Christ into my life. Um, at that same house in our living room, I, I prayed that prayer with my mom. And so she's always just kind of been that, that guide and that mentor for me. But she would say she was not the perfect mom and we were not these perfect children by any means, but it truly was Christ in us. He was who made us good. And so I think my mom, if I could just summarize um, throughout my whole life, just the impact and the role she has played into just a few sentences it would be to just never underestimate or forget the power of your testimony when telling your children and telling your family members. My mom's was simple, and it was one that most all of us as believers can resonate with, but it was, this was my life before Christ. I accepted Christ, and now I'm changed, and I'm different, and I'm a new person. And she just always that was always the theme of what she taught us. And um, I had two younger sisters and it was just to never forget the power of a changed life for Christ. And, and I love that, Amanda. I've been very blessed to watch you grow through the years and then to become a mom. And now you have two little girls and one's already been baptized. Mm -hmm. So yes. you've done the exact same thing. It's passing that on. The best gift we can give to the next generation is the love of Jesus and his word. So thank you for sharing that. Okay, Pat, you have the hardest question of all. And I think so many women, whether you're watching online or here, you can relate to this. And it's when Mother's Day is a hard day and you're hurting, would you share with the women from some of your life experiences? And it would be such an encouragement to us. Well, I'll do something I didn't do in the first service. I'll confess that I'm a reformed Mother's Day hater. <laughs> I mean, years, it was a very t tough time. And a lot of times I didn't expect it, but just suddenly it would just be there. And, you know, <laughs> the, the waterworks would come. Um, there are many re different reasons why a, a woman could be hurting on Mother's Day. 
she more than likely understands the reasons people are joyful in their celebration of the children that God has given them. Some women, though, are single and have no children. Some have not been able to have children. Some are married to a spouse who does not want children. And some have lost their children through death or other circumstances. We all need to be sensitive to these people as we express our exuberance and joy of being a parent. Yes, we should be thankful and grateful, but also should be sensitive and mindful of the feelings of others. I remember a ladies' banquet that I attended in this church years ago when a speaker was gushing about how our roles as mothers and grandmothers was the only role God intended for a woman. I left the banquet the moment she, was, she finished, and, or finished speaking, and our paths crossed as she left the platform. She looked at me with a stunned look on her face and in a surprised tone said, you don't have children and, and you're okay. <laughs> George and I had tried to adopt a few times along the way, but had not been, or did not find success, so we ended up being childless for 30 years. When we moved to Oklahoma City, the girls in the church who had grown, grown up together had little to talk about but their children and the people they knew in Oklahoma City. Needless to say, I felt rather left out. When I was growing up as an only child in Moscow, Idaho, I found that I had a great ability to look at the bright side of life, not stuffing my emotions, but enjoying the good things that God had given to me. My mother was mentally ill since childhood, so there are many hard things I had to endure throughout my life. One of these things was her fir firm belief that I was having an affair with my father and I was going to kill her with a butcher knife. The one thing I treasured most, though, was my godly father. Even though he worked two jobs, we were quite poor. Dad was very kind to me and even played chess with me in the evening, if he was not too tired. <laughs> He understood what was important to me and many times bent over backwards to help me. All three of us went to different evangelical churches, and it was there that I learned to enjoy church services, especially the sermons. In high school, George and I worked with other students to establish a Youth for Christ group. It not only was a fun time, but a spiritual growing experience for us as well. Now as we fast forward to a later time in life, we became aware of a nine-and-a-half-year-old little boy who was a nephew of a lady in our church. He was in an orphanage in Texas and had begun periodic visits to Oklahoma City to visit the family he had only recently at that time become aware of. Three years prior to this time and without my knowledge, George had prayed for a child. We learned later that God had told the lady who was Max's aunt, aunt nine months earlier that we were to be Max's parents. After nine months of visits, both with Max in Austin and Max with us in Oklahoma City, he, brought to, uh, he was brought to us by his social worker and we were able to adopt him. It was a challenge to become a parent for the first time after 30 years of being childless. People thought we were Max's grandparents. <laughs> for eight years, of the 20 years we, were, we lived in Oklahoma City, we had George's parents living with us. Our family of two had turned a family of five. 
George was a pastor of worship arts at Crossings Community Church, and I worked full-time in medical billing and in office management. Having three generations under one roof had its challenges, but watching the bond grow between Max and his grandparents was a blessing. The teenage portion of Max's life, though, was very difficult for all of us. The message I want to tell women who are hurting today is, we serve a faithful God. He will go with us through the valleys and like a tapestry that is viewed from the backside looks messy and pointless. When we look at it later in the process from the front side, God's vantage point, it is beautiful. One of the hardest Mother's Days I have ever experienced was during the three months Max was in California and we didn't know where he was. Later after he returned home, Max met a Japanese girl who was a student at the University of Central Oklahoma. After two and a half years of their 15-year relationship, they married. They made George and I grandparents two and a half years ago after their move to Japan. We've only seen our amazing grandson in person for two weeks, so we are thankful for FaceTime. We can see him almost daily, through, though, since Joe, uh, Max moved to Wichita five months ago to pursue his career. I have been so thankful for my relationship with Jesus Christ during all these years, especially the 53 years we have been away from our childhood home in Moscow, Idaho. It actually has, has been a joy, and his, and his church, God's church, has, has become our family. I want any woman who is hurting today to take heart. Stay close to Jesus and trust this verse. Romans 8:28 and we know that all things work for good of those who have who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Thank you Pat. Wow. And another when you read that last verse from Romans 8:28 it reminded me uh, in Ecclesiastics that God will make all things. It didn't say some. God will make all things beautiful in his time. And that's something that's hard for all of us to wait. And another favorite verse of mine is, because um, it is hard to wait and to have patience, but in Psalm 5, verse 3, it says about wait every morning when you awake, that we should wait in expectation. God has beautiful, wonderful plans for each and every one of us. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope and a future. So regardless of where you're at, just draw in the comfort and hope and peace from his living word and from the love of Jesus. So we are far from perfect as, as pastors wise. We need a savior. We are desperate women who need Jesus each and every day, but we wanted you to know where our source of hope and strength and love comes from and trust.